this one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Oh! The 0-2 swing and a miss. Struck him out. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Daubert, coming at you with a new episode as the Philadelphia Phillies, your 2022 Philadelphia Phillies, are going to the World Series to take on the Houston Astros, who have been in the World Series almost every year in in all these recent seasons. They're kind of the newest dynasty, I would say, these Astros are in the Phillies who three weeks ago were just climbing into the playoffs after a pretty ugly month of September. They got some help from the Marlins who beat up on the Brewers. They beat the Astros to get into the playoffs and and the Phillies, they'll be taking them on in the world series. It's, it's been quite a few weeks, really incredible. We're a few days, a couple days now after the Phillies clinched the NL pennant and we, we'll break it down. We'll give our reactions and break down this series. As always, I have my co-host, Nathan Ackerman. Nathan, what are you thinking right now? I can't believe we're here, to be completely honest, is what I'm thinking. It's what I've been thinking since they clinched on Sunday. It's pretty remarkable. Uh, I thought we would do one, maybe two preview pods, and here we are on our fourth good times. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean... This was when they started the playoff run. It was like, oh, this is going to be the springboard for the next couple of years. And then they're going to use this to learn how to play in the playoffs. And then maybe next year they can be super good. And this is going to be a really big step forward. And now it's like they might win a title. Like they could totally do that. And this is the kind of run that it isn't just like they beat the Cardinals and then they beat the Braves. It's like this this is the kind of thing we're going to look back on for the next like forever. Even if they lose, it's like this. It's I, I I find myself watching playoff highlights from like the 07 to uh, 11 run. <clears throat> and like, it's crazy to think that in 10 years, we're going to be looking back on this season in the same way in perhaps an even greater light because it was so out of nowhere. And it was so there are so many moments like everybody has done something that's like oh there's a lifetime like that this will be playing on the big screen for the next 50 years it's just it's it's insane i can't believe we're here i can't believe they're there they were the last team in they're the last team standing in the national league and they're four wins away from a championship which again felt unthinkable once yeah and i i said i said the same thing to a friend the other day that it's it's cool it's cool to think like when you when you see stuff like this happen in these moments, these these Reese Hoskins homers, this the Bryce Harper go ahead home run in the bottom of the eighth in Game Five of the NLCS, the home run that that sends the Phillies to the World Series, the guy they bring in to kind of be the face of their team, to be the best player on the team, and help turn them into a contender. It took a couple of years, but when when they signed him in 2019, like that's the kind of that's the kind of moment that you dream about if you are the Phillies, if you're if you're Bryce Harper and you're signing that kind of contract, if you're a Phillies fan who was excited that they were acquiring maybe one of the most notable, recognizable uh, players in the game. It's been talked about a lot, but this guy, you know, he was dubbed the chosen one at 
15, 16 years old on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And he's put together like a Hall of Fame career. And he just had he had the best moment of his career that probably going to be his his defining moment. And that happened on Saturday afternoon. And and we were around to to see it and experience it. And it, it's cool. You want you want to live in you want to live in the moment, but it's also interesting i i think and, and cool to take a step back and think about in, in 10 years like you said in 10 years you're going to think about where you were like in that spot just to have the the whole perspective of it is very cool and this run has had a lot of a lot of really unbelievable moments and they've come up with big hit after big hit and big play after big play and different guys have stepped up in the bullpen. Different guys have also had like really bad spots in the bullpen and other people have picked them up and, but nothing, nothing will top it unless they win it. Unless he hits a Harper, you know, sends him wins the world series on a, on a home run or something. It's going to be, it's going to be hard to top that, uh, that moment. And it's wild to, to think that we're there. By that moment, you're talking about the one-two changeup that he took, right? That that was that was incredible. That was and that I, was more impressive. That was yeah. more impressive than the homer. That it, pitch was disgusting. Like, dude, that was yeah. like the per- as soon as I saw it leave his hand, I'm like, oh, one out. You know, and yeah. it isn't that I don't trust Bryce Harper. It's like the pitch was nasty, and it was like a few inches low, and it's it was a strike the whole time. Like that yeah. pitch was disgusting. I don't know how he took that. But then once yeah. it was like it was like when he drew the walk against the Cardinals in game one of the wild card series, he 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 goes down 0-2, and then all of a sudden he like starts taking pitches that are like this far off the plate, like not far off the plate at all. And it was like after the first pitch that he took there, you were like, oh, he's he's locked in. And then it was the same thing when he took the changeup in the one-two count on in in game five against the Padres, it was like, he's going to do something here because you don't just take that pitch and then strike out. Like, dude, that, that was a disgusting pitch. And it's like, he, he, he comes up and you're like, oh man, it would be so storybook if Harper Homer's here, if he did something, but like, you know, I mean, everybody's been saying it. You don't actually think that it's, that it's going to happen because it feels too perfect. And it's like, it's just too much. And and then yeah. he does it. And it's like, yep. it's, it was there was the swing of his life and it was the kind of thing that like he was obviously already great and he was already on a hall of fame track but like dude he in the moment he felt like an inner circle hall of famer like because of that swing and maybe he is like he's incredible he's incredible Mm -hmm. and he's been everything and more that that they that they asked of him when they signed him and for him to come up in that spot i i thought it was so cool that remember when he hit the walk-offs uh slam against the cubs and he like sprints around um you know and he's mm-hmm. like screaming and all that stuff he's like fist pumping and he's like you know losing his mind when he hit the home run against the padres he like turned around and he's like yeah he like you know does the jersey thing and he's like this is for, for philadelphia and then he like jogs around and it takes him 30 seconds to jog around like that was awesome too because it was like it it felt like he had arrived and he was soaking it in, soaking in the moment. And he was like, yeah, this is this is who I've always been. Everybody wants to talk about, you know, he left in 2019 and then the Nationals won it all. And it was Harper's fault and he's the clubhouse thing or he doesn't come through in the big spots. And then it was like, 
you know, what what had he done in the playoffs w- with the Phillies? And it was like, okay, yeah, he hadn't gotten there because the team was bad. And then it was like, he's doing this and it's, he's, he's at, again, everything that they expected of, of him, everything you could have asked. And it was like, that was, yeah, there have been a lot of moments during this, this run that you're going to look back on for quite some time. But that was like, dude, it was, it was one of the greatest swings in the history of baseball. Like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's one of the, I don't know, five, 10 best moments in, in team history. Like without a doubt, it's the best Philly. It's the best Phillies moment since, since Roy Halladay's no hitter. Uh, it, like it's going to be, it's going to be replayed forever. It's going to one like one day Bryce Harper will be one inducted to the Phillies wall of fame and they'll show it. He'll have his number retired by the Phillies one day and they'll show it and he'll have probably on his first ballot, he'll be inducted to the hall of fame and they'll show that home run. It's yeah, it was, it, it was incredible. And the calls and the calls were perfect. Yeah. Both of them, both TV yep. and radio, both Scott Fransky and, and Joe Davis. They were both, both excellent. Yeah. They're both, but yeah, those guys definitely, they showed up for the moment. That was great stuff. I don't know. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. And it was like, it was, there was there was a point late in the season. I forget who who they were playing, but Harper comes up. It was during the you know September free fall thing. Comes up with the bases juiced. It, I think it was like the sixth or seventh inning or something like that. And you're like, okay, this is when Harper can write the ship and he can do it again and he can like you know be be Bryce Harper again. And he hasn't been Bryce Harper for a few months now. And he like swings at the first pitch and grounds it back to the pitcher and the inning ends. And it was like. Not, it wasn't that that's that's like what you, what you were expecting to happen in the eighth there of game five, but it was like if that had happened, you'd be like, okay, you know, a good hitter got out. That happens, and yeah, you know, you don't you don't always expect the 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 storybook and the script to just perfectly come come through like that, and it it did. Like that doesn't happen, and Bryce Harper made it made it happen. Yeah, and and I, I think yeah, I, I I texted some people this. Like as it was going on, like he had to homer there if they were going to win. I think, like he if mm. he didn't hit a home run, I think they were going to lose. Even if he hit a double and and knocked Real Muto in, I think they were going to lose. But he had to do it, and and he and he came through. And it was it was it was unbelievable. How can you let Bryce Harper beat you in that spot? Like, how is Josh Hader not Makes getting no that sense. at bat? Makes no sense for for three days. They didn't days use now. him in Philadelphia. They didn't use him in no. Philadelphia once. He struck out the side in San Diego. Yep. For for three days now, I've just kind of asked myself at different parts throughout the day, like why was Hater not in, and why, why did Trent Grisham bunt? Oh my god! Why did he bunt? Why why did he bunt with with one out? He bunted over two guys to get two outs for your nine hitter Austin Nola. I don't get it. I don't get it. All right. We don't, it's been a couple of days, so we don't have to do like in-depth play-by-play of this game that happened on Sunday, but. What do you think was worse? The bunt there or when he botched Juan Soto's base hit in the wildcard game 2019? They were like, like for win probability added. Like, <laughs> It's probably the botched thing. But it's like you were got you were probably going to lose, but you almost guaranteed that you were going to lose when you bunt there. Yeah, and I, a, a friend of mine sent me a bunch of clips that Grisham seems to be like obsessed with bunting. Like there are a ton of like, he'll bunt with two strikes. He just like loves trying to bunt for a hit. It seems 
So, like, I think, I don't know. He just, I guess he thought he could get it down, but can't you can't bunt it like one of the best fielding pitchers in the game. Imagine if somebody had told you after they beat the the Dodgers that Trent Grisham would be laying down a bunt in like the biggest at bat of the season when he dude he was like the guy in the NL. Yeah, uh, yeah, like dude. To, and the wild card. And then he series. was like, and sure, he was like over 19. And you're trying to make something happen. But if you're really that un you know, unconfident about getting that at bat in that spot, like get a pinch hitter. It was lefty lefty. Like <laughs> find a way around that. Like there's yeah. just no way. And it was against Ranger Suarez too, like who should be a gold glove finalist. And 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 they were talking after the game about like, oh, we thought we could make something happen with the with the wet grass. Like, are you kidding me? You're gonna yeah. you're gonna like basically leave your like pennant hopes up to wet grass. Mm-hmm. It was bad. All right. Do you want to get into I guess just the reaction, the celebrations, both at the at the stadium and and elsewhere throughout the city? And I don't know, just like the feelings right now, we can get into it both how we're feeling, how other people seem to be feeling. I, I think the biggest thing is people are like, people are stunned, I think, in a good yeah. way, it, like yeah. in a really, in a really good way, in a positive way, in a, in a happy way. But I think people, you know, people say things are, are unbelievable, but I think this, like, I don't think people can quite believe this is happening. Like actually mm-hmm. it is, it was unthinkable a few weeks ago and they're like cruising they're they cruise to the world series there was spots where like the sir anthony wild pitches and they get down and everything but they just like they cruise to a world series they haven't faced elimination it's and this team was like all year not all year in the summer they were also cruising but the beginning and ends of the year, they were like frustrating and the flaws were pretty obvious. But right now they're absolutely cruising and people are, are, are riding the high right now. It's been, it's been very fun to see. Yeah. They're, they're getting a perfect mix of like cruising plus getting the kinds of like, I don't want to say they're catching a bunch of like breaks because they're, they're again, cruising and they're making things happen. But like, think of all the things that have happened, like Castellanos hitting the ball. Things are, things are going their way. Things are definitely going their way. Things are going their way. And it's like, usually one of those things happens. Like, you know, you get a bunch of breaks and you, you hit the base on a hit that otherwise would have been a ground out, but then it's like you win in seven or, you know, you, you even lose in seven or it's like, shouldn't be this easy and the games were close but like did you ever feel like they were gonna lose most of those games like game one sure you were like Machado or Bell's gonna walk this thing off but then game three even when they went down no that was that was game four but like game four they go down 4-0 in the first and you're like oh they're gonna get half of these runs back off of Clevenger in the first because he's not good and then they they cruise to that win that they they win by four by the sixth inning they're up by three or by the seventh inning they're up by three, and then yeah. game five it was like once once Harper hit that homer, they 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 put two men on base to start the night or with with one out in the ninth, but it's like that game never felt like the Padres were going to tie it up, you know because that's that's mm-hmm. also the kind of thing that just happens when you're cruising like this and when you get the moments that they've had is like Harper hits that homer they don't they don't tie that game back up like you don't 
you don't win that game because Harper went went deep and then they tied it up and then you walk it off in the ninth. Like that would have been cool, but like you just win that game four to three and and they did and it always felt like and it wasn't just because of who was on the mound with the calm heartbeat and all those kinds of things. It was like they they were the wild card round it was like they were going to lose game one that felt like a loss the whole way and then game two it was like oh it's it's you know the script is too is too good for yachty like not to homer here or the the cardinals not to find a way to force a a third game and then there were games against the braves where it was like this is not looking good and maybe they're gonna blow but ever since like game three against the braves it was like they were just gonna win every game you know, yeah. yep. which is kind of it's just kind of absurd because like they won 87 games. And I, I that's not to say that they like shouldn't be in the playoffs or anything like that. It's just it shouldn't be this easy for a team that won 87 games. And it, it's been so easy, especially a team where 75 percent of the roster had never played in the playoffs. And we didn't know how they would respond to that. But it, they're yeah, they're cruising. Like you said, it's 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 remarkable. You mentioned game four. I kind of like it slipped my mind early that we have not like potted since then. I just wanted to talk about the first inning. Bailey Falter, he they should not even consider they should not consider starting him in the World Series. Like if they took him off the roster, I think it like would be pretty warranted. I don't like see the purpose he really serves um, right now. I think they could benefit from like another hitter a different reliever. I don't know who would be like Sanchez or Davinsky. A- anyway, he, he was not good. And then you mentioned Mike Clevenger, like cue up the Bob Costas audio for like looking towards the heavens. For, a, a, a departed reliever or family uh, member. Yeah. Asking a departed relative for forgiveness for that atrocious performance. Like, yeah. could that have been like the worst starting pitch, starting pitching matchup, like, like the results in postseason history like what i think i think it i'm pretty sure it was the first time that they that both pitchers failed to get through the first inning yeah like it was like falter couldn't get out of the first and it's like well yeah clevenger is not good anymore but like surely he couldn't really do any worse and then he didn't he didn't get an out that was terrible that was terrible. the only reason it was three runs and not and not four like he left with a runner on second and nobody out so like that should have been four runs but yeah, he yeah, he is beyond he's beyond washed. Like, Clevenger, he, he, oh, yeah, yeah, he used to be he used to be really good, but that was horrible. All right, sorry for that. No, you're right. I mean, remember when they <laughs> when they traded when they traded for him in like, oh boy, 2019. It feels like 18 or 19, 2020. Who the Padres? Yeah, yeah, he he was traded after he was um, booted off the roster for yeah. not following COVID protocols while yeah. Carlos Carrasco was on the team. Yeah, but like they they got him and they had the staff. It was like loaded. Like he was maybe their their number four, but he was super good at that point. And it was like, yeah, it was because of the, the cliff he, yeah. coming off injury. But yeah, yeah, he's not the same guy. Needs to be needs to be Thor in in wherever game you're thinking about starting Falter. I think it has to be Syndergaard, who's yeah. looked pretty solid. I know his last outing was in relief. Um, he got that one fly out on like a on a curveball that was like one of the most hanging pitchers I've ever seen, but it worked. Um, but it has to be him. Like I just think he, like Falter's not as good as him. Remember when? Remember when Thompson goes? 
yeah, we don't know who will start game four yet. It'll be Thor, Falter, or Kyle Gibson. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I don't think it's going to be Kyle Gibson. <laughs> you think you think the Padres are like, ah, oh, shoot, like maybe we should, maybe we should like scout for them. Maybe we should get a, get a scouting report together for Gibson. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know if anybody really thought Kyle Gibson was gonna see this. His, bir- his birthday know. was Sunday. His birthday was Sunday. Happy birthday! It, nice, nice gift for him. Yeah, a pennant. That's cool. <laughs> I think uh, it's kind of. I, I I think it's kind of telling when you have like a bullpen game, and you've had two of them now, and then you've had like some other games where you're you know you're playing you might play five straight, and it's like you really got to save the arms, and you're losing one of these games big, and he doesn't pitch once the only time he pitched was in game two when it was like a three-run game in the seventh and eighth so yeah yeah good use of a roster spot i think what whatever whatever so somebody has to be the mop-up man they can't but like falter effectively right now like probably should be that and they shouldn't carry two of them yeah it can be gibson for in a long series i'm all right with that anyway get the off days now that's true still these these relievers, I think, need rest. I think yeah. this rest, locking this series up early, will be good for for Alvarado. He was like a little shaky, didn't get killed or anything, but just didn't look quite as sharp against the Padres because he told Thompson that he'll pitch every day, and they have gone pretty close to taking him up on that. So he could he could use a little time off. Um, I think all of them can. Anyway, let's. I, I kind of derailed the conversation. Right, let's get back into the reaction. I guess you want to talk about what we talked about, you know, how it felt at the ballpark a little bit on, on Sunday, but I was there in center city on Sunday evening into night. It was very cool. People went out on a broad street. They celebrated, people set off fireworks, they popped champagne, they lifted up their pet dogs in Bryce Harper jerseys and, People like went nuts and they chanted, we love dogs, among other things. We love dogs. Nice. Yeah, that was very funny. That I don't know. It was, it was, it was fun. I think it was a little more low-key than maybe you think back to the Eagles Super Bowl, or you can imagine if they win this, like what it might be like after the World Series. It wasn't quite there was there were a lot of people, but it wasn't like quite the like the biggest banger imaginable, but it was a few hours of a lot of fun and people really happy and hundreds of people getting together, sharing high fives and I don't know, and enjoying themselves. It was, it was cool. Yeah. I mean, it's been like th- that same thing probably doesn't happen in, you know, in a, in a vacuum, but when you have the context of it's been 11 years since they made the playoffs and nobody expected them to go this far, even if they expected them to make it, it's like they're not just happy about this year. They're they're happy that it it feels like, I mean, I don't know where I stand on this, but like it feels like the eleven years in some ways were worth it because this is just so cool. I mean, I I don't know if I'm quite there because it was a pretty brutal 10, 11 years, but like if they win the World Series, it was definitely worth it. So yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, it's just it's just eleven years worth of like this team's a bunch of losers, and now it's the exact opposite. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through a couple other things that I saw um, out near City Hall. My I, I I did a story for Phillies Nation. If you guys want to check it out, um, it's on on the site just on the celebration on people going out near City Hall on, on Broad and Locust. 
I mapped out the dogs thing. That was very funny. I think by the end of it, these people were pretty drunk and you could tell the dogs were like a little sick of getting held up like by the end of it. <laughs> but um, that was funny. There was one guy who climbed up, like people are climbing poles, but usually they don't, like they get to like the light that like signals for the crosswalk, like like the hand or like the guy walking and people like could get up to there. But there was one guy who like got really high up, like fully onto like the, like the red light, green light situation. And he was up there for like a half hour. Like he was up there for a full half hour and people were like throwing beers to him and he was catching them and he shotgunned like six to eight beers like while he was up there and the cop and like the cops are telling him to get down and he's just he knows he's gonna get arrested but like in that moment like it doesn't matter and I was wondering to myself like I would I would never do this first of all I'm not getting myself up on there um but like in in the in the context of like putting yourself in, in that guy's mind, if you think if you say like I don't know if you have a nice job if you you know you're gonna get arrested, but if you don't think you would lose your job over it, do you think it's worth it? Like the night of getting arrested and you probably have to like post money or pay fines or whatever. If you can if you can afford that and you don't think you lose your job, is it worth like the night in jail or whatever? I mean. <laughs> probably need some more context there has to be a fine to come along with that right yeah i i don't know he also i think he like broke the traffic light too like like the yellow like half circle that goes over it (laughs) like like he kicked it off it was just hanging there i think my concern at that point wouldn't really be yeah if if i had if i if i could afford the fine and like you know do a night like if you don't lose the job i would be more concerned like okay you're up on the traffic light probably hanging on with like one arm you're yeah. shotgunning but, you're, yes. you're catching and shotgunning beers like i can't put down that much so i think like eight definitely probably like i i wouldn't feel keep, safe up keep there, keep in mind when he, he's shotgunning these beers but like probably like half the beer is like falling onto the ground yeah it's, it's not it's not like a very efficient way to like chug a beer he's just like smashing it with his tooth and then like trying to open it with one hand to shotgun it because he's also holding onto the pole. There were a couple times where I was concerned that he was about to fall because as you can imagine, this guy was also fairly inebriated. No. So like his, his, <laughs> he was a little careless with how he was like <laughs> holding on. And I don't know how he got down. Like I, I left that spot before he got down. He was there for at least a half hour, probably closer to like, my guess is that he would have been pushing an hour by the time he got down. Sounds like he needs a like spotter if the Phillies win the World Series. Yeah, that there were a couple other people who like got up on the poles, but that was the that was that was the guy who who stuck out to me. Let's be honest though, they would catch him. Like if he falls all of a sudden, everybody's catching. There were no, there was like people weren't close enough. That was my concern. People were people were not close enough to catch him if he. I think if he announced that he was going to come down, people would like crowd to to help out. But if he just fell, there was nobody close enough to catch him. It was yeah, it was bad. Not what you I want. Hope, I hope he's doing well. Oh, I'm sure he's having the time of his life right now. I think that that and the dogs, uh, like the drum line came through, the Philly Elmo, they they came through and people kind of followed along. 
Um, there was a lot, even though even though the Astros didn't officially like make the World Series by then, people were already like starting anti-Astros chants in the streets, which was which was funny. Just no faith in the Yankees to really extend it. Why would you have any faith in the Yankees? Yeah, yeah. All right, those are, those are my my. T- they the, not all of that made the made the story I wrote. I don't think I could have written like a a thousand words on this guy, but it was fun to to tell the story of this. Well, guy. You, were, you were trying to keep it PG, and then you decided whatever doesn't make it, you can take to the Phillies Nation podcast. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I did mention the dogs though. That was that was funny. That is funny. All right, you have anything? Do you have anything you want to hit on from this past weekend before we look forward to this upcoming weekend? We preview this a little bit. Uh, I the six out save by Sir Anthony in Game Three was so awesome. Like that was that was another one of those spots where it's like they they the they the tying run on in the ninth inning. It was four to two, and it was like they're not going to tie this game. You know, it just felt like they weren't going to do it, nope. and it's it's weird because like. In terms of the intensity of the games themselves, and in terms of what we know this team has been for the last five years, like all those games should have made everybody lose their collective mind and like take a year off of everybody's life. But they feel like the TOD. I I don't know. We've we've said yeah. it over over and over again, but it's like some of those games you're just they would lose this game. They the Phillies of old would lose this game. Not these ones. All right, last thing. Last thing before we preview. On our last couple previews, um, let's just say I, I took some Ws. I predicted I predicted in the NLDS that Ranger would close out the clincher, I think. Or maybe I said game four, and I don't know if I said that would be the clincher necessarily. I predicted that Ranger Suarez would close a game. Um, I, th- I think you said uh, – yeah, I, th- I think you said one of the wins because you did pick the Braves, but yes. so did everybody else. Anyway, I, I picked the Phillies – I picked the Phillies in five, mm-hmm. and I predicted Kyle Schwarber to hit a leadoff home run. Both of those happened. And then in the DS, I said Ranger Suarez would close out a game. It happened in the CS. I'm taking a victory there. Yeah. Let's just say like, I'm looking pretty good. It's kind of, kind of a – I don't know. It's my, it's my time to shine right now. I'm, I'm the king of October. I'm going to take a little credit because I did say <laughs> – I was I was a little bit off, but before the DS, I said Castellanos would hit a big homer and like almost single handedly win them win them some game. He didn't homer, but game one was like his yeah. game. Yes. Um, yes. And then before the CS, I said that Reese Hoskins would be the NLCS MVP, which we didn't pick on the pod because again we they made it we so forgot. deep that like yeah playoff series MVPs didn't occur to us as things that existed, but. I said Reese Hoskins was going to win an NLCS MVP. I think there was like a moment in there when he was probably the front runner until Harper hit the homer. And yes. then it was not, yeah. not a question. Um, so was I was wrong. Sure. But I was also kind of right in spirit. So yep, that was good. You you were good about saying that the Phillies would not lose, lose a home game in the NLCS. That was that was that was good stuff. Thank you. All right. Can we talk about? Can we talk one more thing? Can we talk about how they're nine and two in the in the playoffs? And guess which? Um, they've won nine games. They've lost two. Guess which game I was at? What one of the one nine of the or, or one of the nine or or one of the two? Like just based on what's more statistically probable. I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with one of the two. 
Yeah, one of the two. One of the two. <laughs> so, yeah. I saw two wins. Must be nice. Well, I guess it helps that I live in Philadelphia and they haven't lost there. That does help. I was looking briefly at, like, do I fly out to Philadelphia for a game? Then I saw 2,000 for standing room, and I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> yep. Maybe yeah, if those come down, I'll, yeah, maybe, maybe if those I come down. I don't think they will. Uh, yeah. I no. do not think they will. Yeah. I was, I was seeing somebody said like, it's, it's more expensive to fly from, to, to go to a game there than it is to fly from there to Houston, go to a game and then fly back, which yep. makes sense. Houston's yeah. there every, every year, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are, people are just amped up here. Yeah. Can't As them. they should be. As they should be. All right, you want to get into this preview? Your, your Let's favorite? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Roster, do we need to do the roster? It's probably going to be the same roster. Uh, maybe they take Kyle Gibson off of it or Bailey Falter off of it? Maybe. Probably not, but maybe. Um, here, Here's my thing. The Astros don't really have lefties, so I think they might – put Maton back in for Guthrie. I was thinking the same thing. I would do and the it's same not, thing, it's too. And it's not like they, they sub in for Castellanos anyway for whatever reason. Yeah. So yeah. it might as well be Maton. Yeah, I liked I liked what they did in the DS and the CS because uh, those those away parks were pretty big, and I was like, there's, there's more room to roam there, and you might want a guy with more, um, you know, speed or more who can play a better right field or left field or whatever it it, it might be minute made park is not quite that and i think this is just going to be like the astros offense is obviously nuts but like their pitching is crazy too and i think you need all the bats you can you can get there and nick maton probably gives you more than dalton guthrie would from an offensive standpoint so i would you, would you with all the righties would you consider hall anywhere I mean, at this point, it's like, are you are you giving him an at bat late in the game? Like, what's the spot for him? I would there, in, there in, the, in the wild card no, series, there, I would say maybe, but now it's been a month since he's seen major league pitching. But it's, he's like still working out and stuff, and he's yeah, like there there were spots even even Sunday, there were, there were spots where, uh, like. I'm sorry, I'd rather have Derek Hall at the plate than Brandon Marsh, and you figure out the defense later. He Marsh looked like hopeless in, in that series. I know he, he hit the hanger over the wall against Morton in the DS, but there 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 are definitely spots where I think he could play a spot. Yeah, if he's a bigger home run threat, but like Maton is like maybe you'd rather him there. So I don't know. Just something to keep in mind. I don't think they'll do it, but I think. I would try to find a spot for him. Would you go thirteen pitchers again? I would. I I ne- I don't think I ever would have. But yeah, I I, I, I wouldn't have in the in the wild card round. I think it makes a little more sense in the the two next ones. I guess. I also think now would be like, if there's ever a time for the the mop up role. Like, let's be completely honest. There's a chance that one of these games is over by the third inning because the Astros are just are just like that. Yeah. So. There's there's a spot I think you could be like, you know, you might have more of a need for the mop up guy. You don't, but you, don't you also need two have... mop up guys. Like no, if, you don't. That's if, that's like they can't yeah. be considering fall for one of these starters again. Like they can't do it. All right, let's get yeah. into the preview. Let's get into right. the the breakdown. All right, start with catcher. 
JT versus Martin Maldonado slash maybe a little bit of Christian Vasquez. I'm not sure it matters. I think the edge is pretty clearly to the Phillies here. Yes. First base, Yuli Gurriel versus Reese Hoskins. So Gurriel's had like a really good postseason too, but the way Hoskins is swinging the bat and just overall at this point, I'm I'm probably leaning Hoskins. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I it's crazy that he went four for eighteen in in the NLCS because it feels like he was way better than that, but he hit four homers. They were all homers, yeah. 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 Jose Altuve versus Gene Segura. Interesting here. I I mean, I think I know where we're probably both gonna go, but Altuve's been pretty brutal in the postseason. Still gonna go with Altuve. Yeah, I think you gotta go with the with the pedigree here. Did you know that he's like second all time in postseason homers? Or maybe first. He's he's top two in postseason home runs. I did not know that. Which like I maybe it, makes it, was, sense. Maybe it was World Series home runs. No, I think it was postseason home runs. It makes sense because he's in it like literally every year. And they they've added rounds. Like yeah, even throughout even throughout his career, there was like two more rounds added. I think they were a I think they were a wild card team in like 2015. Yeah. Um and I don't know. Sure. Doesn't shock me. It's like I I did not know that though. Alex Bregman versus Alec Bohm, third base. Gonna gonna go with Bregman here. Yeah. Yeah. Shortstop, Battle of the Rookies, Bryson Stott, Jeremy Pena. ALCS MVP, Jeremy Pena. I don't know if that gives the answer away. I'm going to go with Pena, although Stott in these home games in the last series had some, like, huge at-bats, I thought. Fouled off a ton of pitches. Like He he put together a pretty good series, especially those uh, that string of, of three home games. Yeah, he, he looks like he's a, th- a 35-year-old up there, not, not 25. This is his first obviously his first season but his first october and he's like he hits the biggest like this he he does it you're exactly right he fouls off like three pitches then he works a full count then he like takes like the shortest easiest you know hack and just like lines a double into the right field corner it's so so aesthetically pleasing he is he hits the most aesthetically pleasing doubles of all time but yeah jeremy Payne is awesome uh you know they lose their like one of the faces of the franchise, and it looks like they haven't lost a beat there. Left field, Jordan Alvarez versus Kyle Schwarber. Also interesting, Alvarez obviously was awesome in the ALDS. He hit the walk-off homer against the Astros. Was not as good in the ALCS, but, however, he's Jordan Alvarez, so. Yeah. Kyle Schwarber was awesome in the NLCS. I think this is this is closer than it it, it would have been entering, like, yeah, the, I'm gonna go, the gonna championship go series. Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, the I mean, way Schwarber's yeah. like swinging the bat right now. Yeah, but, yeah. Center field, Brandon Marsh slash a little bit of Matt Vierling perhaps um, versus Chaz McCormick. McCormick's been pretty good. I'm gonna go West Westchester's own West. Yeah, I think you I think you went to Westchester Henderson. Anyway, that I'm gonna go McCormick, slight McCormick. Yeah, me too. Yeah, local guy. Kyle Tucker, Nick Castellanos. Uh, this is this feels like the one where we just gloss over. Actually, the next one's probably the one where we just gloss over it. But Edge Houston on this one. Yes. Remember when Castellanos had that one game in game one at the NLDS and it was like, oh, he's back, fresh slate, nope. fresh start. And then it's just right back to maybe take a first seem- pitch. It just seems like he never knows what he's swinging at. And like, no. yeah. Well, yeah. I it was funny because in game 
one of the games, some game, it might've even been last round, but like he, he had swung at every first pitch. And then at one point he takes a first pitch and then he works a one, one count and he gets an extra base hit. It's like, Hmm, maybe he's onto yeah. something here. And then it's right back to the same. Like every yeah. time Harper gets on to lead off the second, it feels like the next pitch, not just the next at bat. The next, the next pitch, pitch is a double play. It's a tailor-made double play ball. And it's, I've seen some people speculate on Twitter. They're like, oh, like something's going to come out this offseason or next spring training. They're like, oh, Nick Castellanos is actually playing with an injury. He got hit in the hand in May and he was never the same. Like, even if your hand is hurt, like that doesn't make you swing it every slider that's like four feet outside and in the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't and read it- the full piece. I didn't read the full uh, Ken Rosenthal piece, but like I do kind of by the whole new city he was trying to find a home and he was having a kid and it was like a lot of he signed in late spring training and there's a lot like it was the same kind of thing with harper in 2019 obviously he ended up having a a fairly good year but like for the first couple of months he was fine he wasn't great and it was like it's tough you're you you sign this big contract but then you have to like there's there's a lot more practical like where do i live all these kinds of things and you're trying to get used to all your new Mm -hmm like environment i don't think that's obviously it doesn't excuse like a 670 ops all season including the postseason but like i i point is i don't think he's this bad Uh, yeah i i think i agree but at the same time like having a lot going on does not make you swing at every pitch in the dirt for sure you're right (laughs) yeah i i don't know and then like one of the at-bats where he did something, he got a first pitch fastball, like right down the middle. It's like, why? Why you would know, you? <laughs> you yeah, can, you yes. can start in a free 0-1 count if you just give him a slider that starts anywhere close to the, not even close to the plate. Like give him a first pitch sweeping curve. Dude, Justin Verlander is going to, oh man. Yeah, it, no, it was it was like in the, in the DS when it's like, when Alvarado, it's like, yeah, you can't throw... Travis Darno, a center cut cutter on the first pitch. Like, you know, it's good. Like, you can't throw yeah. Nick Castellanos a fastball right down the middle on the first pitch. No. All right. Yeah. It's been tough. On. Trey Mancini slash, well, I guess it's been basically Trey Mancini versus Bryce Harper. This is the one we gloss over because it's yes. Bryce Harper is just out of his mind right now. Yep. Cool. Enough said. Starting pitching. This is like, probably the most deflating part because it was like oh look at look at the one two look at the starting staff this is why the phillies can do anything and then the astros are like we don't have a one two we have one one and one and then like two (laughs) so anyway justin verlander framber uh valdez christian javier lance mccullers versus aaron nola game one which is something we can also talk about yeah zach zach wheeler game two ranger suarez game three noah Syndergaard game four Astros. Yeah, gonna go Astros. But like you said, Verlander's um, been struggling. Verlander's been, that's been true. struggling. But no, like like you said, um it's gotta be Astros. Like that that staff is just it's too it's too good. You mentioned yeah. um Robert Flores tweeted out that Matt Gale was on MLB network and he said that he expects uh Aaron Nola to start game one. Do you want to right now get get into that? I yeah, guess well, let's do it. I so, I love it personally. So here, here's the thing. I think there are some pros and cons of Wheeler game one or Nola game one. 
yeah. I so agree. so what they're if, if they go with Nola, which it seems like they're going to, nothing announced yet, but um, it seems like that's the plan. That gives Wheeler an extra day of rest for game two. Mm-hmm. He could have made the start in game one on regular rest. These past couple starts for him, once he gets to like 70, 80 pitches, his fastball has been dipping down to like 94-ish. They sent him back out there for the seventh inning on Sunday. Immediately gives up a hit, then they yank him. Like it's just, he's been really, really good, Wheeler, this whole postseason. But he's like not getting the longevity. He's going like fairly deep in his starts, but it's been held by the pitch count that he's been able to go through with like he's just not he's not like getting these like 105 110 pitch outings because he's just like losing his stuff after a certain after a certain point so I guess the thought is an extra day of rest maybe helps him get there a little bit and Nola he's going to be on a lot of extra rest or even more extra rest either game that you throw him uh, to start the series and of course he is like excellent with extra rest um, has been his whole career I look I looked at the numbers um, today and this is for the regular season I, I think this doesn't include playoffs but through his career Nola on four days of rest 94 starts has a 4.26 ERA five days of rest 3.04 and then six plus he has 3.19 ERA it's he, he's really good. Wheeler isn't really affected by it, at least hasn't been in his career. In fact, with extra rest, I think his numbers are like a touch worse, but all in like the mid threes in ERA. But I, 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 I think it makes sense if you think you can, if you think you can like steal this series quickly, I think it makes sense to like have those guys try to be at full strength for game one and two and then, their, their next time around um, where if you think you can win in five games with four, would be four starts with, with those guys. Right. Um, something like that. I, I think that's a, a decent plan, but where it gets iffy for me starting, starting Nola game one is if it goes seven games, you won't have Zach Wheeler available on short rest for game seven. You could have Nola available on short rest for it, but like I said, the rest thing is seems to be a thing with him, and I don't know if he could. I don't know if he could start that game on short rest. I think maybe he could come out of the bullpen, but I don't know if I feel. As Nola confident. or Wheeler in game seven. Nola. Nola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm. Yeah, yes. He whoever, if he starts game throws, one, whoever yeah. starts game one could be available. And I'm just saying, right. if it makes it to seven, I'm. I'm a little bit more confident in Wheeler starting a game seven on short rest than Nola. So I think there's yeah. pros and cons. Of well, Wheeler, Wheeler wouldn't start game seven. I mean, even if he threw games one and five, he would, he would be on two days rest. I, I don't think you can start him there. I think you can use him for an inning or two out of the pen. Right. No, if you start, if you start in game one, then he goes game five, game seven will be on two days rest. No. Is that right? Yeah, because they have they they'd have the off day and then game six. Gotcha. Well, couldn't he? 
So who's he could, what are, he what could, are the games the, right now? The thinking is that so it's 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 one, two off, three, four, five, off, six, seven. The thinking between starting Wheeler in a in a game five would be he could do what like Bumgarner did in 2014, yeah, which yeah, is you sorry. start so you maybe, start yes. you start game five and then throw like three, four innings out of the mm-hmm. maybe not four, but like two or three innings out of out of the pen. If if you throw game six, like I remember Garrett Cole in the ALDS, like through a hundred something pitches in game four. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't have the, have the off day. And, and he told, he told, uh, he was like, I'm, I'm, I'm available for game five. And he's yeah. like, put me in game five. I don't know if you're going to do that, like zero days rest after throwing a hundred pitches, but yeah. so anybody who throws game six, even if he only throws like 80 pitches, I assume would be unavailable yes. for game seven. My only yeah. thing is like, if so, I'm I'm kind of looking at one two in the Astros staff, and you have uh, Verlander and and uh, Valdez games one and two. I think right now the more vulnerable one might be Justin Verlander, just because like he isn't pitching super well, and I think like yeah, he carried a perfect game into the sixth inning against them in at, you know the second to last game of the of the regular season. But like, I think if if you feel like you can get to him to the point where you can steal game one. That almost might be a reason to go with Wheeler because trust for Wheeler probably has to be higher than for Nola at this point. And if you look at that at that matchup and you see Verlander is the more uh, you know vulnerable Astros starter between games one and two, like maybe you just put Wheeler in for that game because if you can leave Houston with a split, you're gonna take that a million times out of a million. Like we've we said that against the Braves and yeah. the Padres, but like it's even more true now. So that might be one one reason to like just go with your guy who's been the more reliable dominant starter this this October in game one and try to steal that game. There's also the flip side of that coin, which is like it's still Justin Verlander and whoever you throw in that game, you're probably at a disadvantage. And maybe you want the extra rest for Wheeler in game two because you feel like you can steal that one. So it's it's a question of like if you think you can get six quality innings from wheeler in game one maybe you go with him but if you're if you're looking for more i don't know somebody to like really dominate and go seven or eight and you feel like you can get more out of that in game two you probably go with him there i just i i don't think they should be planning for a game seven at this point like i i I understand that you know you you want to keep that in the back of 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 your mind and you're like whoever can go game five but like then you're counting on it to go seven games. And if it doesn't, which either way, there's a chance that it doesn't. There's a chance that they win in six. There's a chance that they lose in six or or less. And it's like, I don't, I think when you get to 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 game seven, you're, you're in an all hands on deck kind of situation, except probably for who starts game six. But I don't think you should be like planning that out before the series even starts. And I think if, if you can get Nola the extra rest, he, he's been a guy who like, more rest for some guys hurts them, and it's like you don't want too much rest. I don't, I haven't seen that with him. It's almost like the more the better, and there's no mm-hmm. like limit to that really. So I think you can get more out of him if you throw him in game in game one or sorry in in game two. But either again, way, as, he's going to be. It's saying, like what like se- se- seven it, days it's either seven eight or, or something. eight days rest, and I think that like the marginal upgrade there throwing him game two is not worth as as much as having wheeler fresh for game you know his his start because he he has looked like 
as you said, in the seventh inning, he sort of falls off. Sixth inning, he kind of falls off. And I think he could use the extra rest there too. So I would do it. I would go with with Wheeler game two. Um, and if you get to game seven, it's like, it. You, I guess the point is, if you, if you were to tell them right now it comes down to a game seven, you're, you're taking that. And I think you need to do everything you can to, to try to force that. And if you get a Wheeler in game one who can only go five effective innings and then you know then you need four innings out of the pen and then you got to get game two and if if you can if you go back home down 2-0 like you're not looking great so yeah i think you, you need to do wh- whatever you can to get a split in houston and i think starting nola game one wheeler game two is probably your best chance at doing yeah. that and if it gets to game seven congratulations you've made the series one game rather than seven against a team that like objectively on paper is a better team. And I think yeah, that's, that's true. You have to do whatever you can to force that or, or win in six. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. So if they go Nola game one, I may, I got my days a little bit mixed up earlier, but yeah, he'd be, it'd be what two days rest then game one starter. It would be, it would be like Ranger game one starter could um would be on, would have a couple of days. It'd be like their bullpen day and yeah. would theoretically be available in game seven. And who would be, who would be lined up to start game seven right now? Suarez. Ranger. Yeah. I think even if you have your pick, like who would you rather as a reliever Wheeler or Nola? It's probably Wheeler, but I think yeah. you make good points. Like get, getting Wheeler a little more fresh is probably better. And if you have Ranger starting a game seven with, nola available in in an emergency like if you get there i think you feel all right you also starting starting him game one gives him the chance to throw game five at at home where he's been better so i i like nola at home like i like wheeler anywhere and i like nola anywhere too but like especially at home so i think okay i I think one and five are are better matchups there all right any you want to get into the predictions we can do both our series predictions and we'll wrap it up with any any out there ones any any calls we want to make yeah we gave houston the edge in in the rotation right should we do the bullpen super quick yes sorry about that yes you've got ryan presley brian uh abreu rafael montero and old friend hector neris that's kind of like the top four in the astros pen and then you've got jose alvarado sir anthony uh dominguez zach efflin david robertson the Phillies bullpen's been good. Astros has been better. I have a take, I think. Eh, Hector trying to blow that game the other day. Um, I have a take, I think. The top four, maybe this is like a like a quick hook for the Phillies. I think I think Brogdon should be there right now. The last couple mm. outings. Above above Robertson. Above Robertson, I think. Can we agree that Brad Hand should probably not see another outing this season? Yeah, yeah, probably. Unless probably it's in not. a mop-up role. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think I think I agree. They um maybe if like if there was no three batter minimum, I think like you he'd be a little more useful. But right now, I don't know. If there's like a three batter stretch where you feel good at all throwing him against Houston. Can I give another take that I just that just came back to my mind? Yeah. Um Juan Soto versus Jose Alvarado, bad matchup for the Phillies. Juan Soto is going to win that. I was very much right. 
he spat on like a, a O2 slider that was disgusting because that's what he does. And then he like turned around, you know, 101 and just slapped it the other way for a single. So gonna Oh, come on. That was like come on. Hey, I'm just saying who because objectively on on paper, you know, best lefty in the Nationals lineup. Who do you want out there? Alvarado. I think it was still the right call. I just didn't like the matchup. The Padres lineup. Did you say Nationals? What I say? I think it's the Nationals. Maybe I made that up. That's embarrassing. <laughs> um, that was like you're talking about when when Soto had a leadoff single to like the shortstop position in the in Alvarado's hit. second inning. Are you kidding me? Come on, this is a big hit. That that is a stretch for for a win. That is a stretch. I know I I know I took credit for a prediction I made for a completely other series, but <laughs> that's a stretch. I believe I think his I think his OPS against him was two thousand in the series. So I'm just saying. All right. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I like the I like the I like the Connor Brogdon take. He was really good. Like I think one of the most we we talk about things that you know we're gonna watch on you know, the big screen for the next 50 years, like Connor Brogdon's 2.1 scoreless out of the pen in game four isn't one of those things, but like that was massive. It was, yeah, it was huge. It was absolutely huge. And like his changeup looks back, mm-hmm. he looks back. It's been a weird year for him, but I think even in the postseason, like the way that they've trusted guys, like, Eflin at the reg- end of the regular season looked like locked down to shaky and now he looks good again. And Sir Anthony looked terrible at the end of the season. And then quickly he became like maybe the most trusted guy. And then he has the disastrous outing, but I still think you trust him. I think, I think you got to like ride the hot hands. And I, I think Brogdon like looks legit right now. It wasn't the highest leverage of all time pitching in the first inning, but if it gets ugly in the first inning, like, uglier than it was if they put somebody else in and they give up another couple hits like they probably don't win they probably don't win that game right and he shut it down and not only he didn't just get out of the he didn't just get out of the first he threw two more innings and tied his longest outing his longest since 2020 that was huge and his stuff lasted throughout the entire outing I, i i'm trusting him right now if i'm i'm making the calls was that the best topper performance of the season? That was that was no because he just started Cindergard, but it was it was good. Yeah, I guess, I guess. And this is I, not this is not me like doing like the, you know, like the second guessing after the fact. Like I was calling, I was calling for Thor from the start. I mean, it's it's a matter of like who who fears you more. Is it like Brandon Drury in the lineup or having Josh Bell hit lefty? You know, because Machado Soto kind of like cancel each other out in terms of who you're afraid of. Yeah, I don't, it's not even who you're afraid of. It's just like who's better. That's who, fair. Who's that's, more? That's who's who's more likely to give you like three to four innings of of one run ball in the playoffs? I, I think it's Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, probably. The th- yeah, they they needed both. Needed both what? To, you know, take down two to three innings in that game. Apparently they didn't because Syndergaard didn't go that long. I thought he would be like, I thought it would be Brogdon for an inning or two, and then they would give Syndergaard like 
a clean inning and he'd go three. He didn't pitch until the, I think it was the sixth. Yeah, that was kind of weird. I didn't hate it though. No, me neither. He's been good. He's been really good. He's been there before. It's a, that's that's a winning player. He got a win in the World Series in 2015. Come on. He just had to leave the Mets. Not his first rodeo. All right. So quick rundown because we're going to do the, you know, who wins the series and what are the big moments and how many games and things like that. But just to recap, to set this all up, we gave the Astros the edge in the rotation, in the bullpen, and in six out of the nine starting lineup spots. So, you know, I, I guess that's a way to segue into the fact that before we did the pod or what, what when we did the the uh, the Padres pod, we gave the Padres most of the advantages in the lineup, gave them the edge in the bullpen, like the slight edge in the pen, and then like probably gave them the edge in the rotation. And then we said like Phillies in five or Phillies in six. And we were right. So, you know, I, I, I wanted to throw in a fourth category here of like intangibles slash the TOD slash who just, who is this like written in the stars for? And I think you got to go Phillies there, which maybe changes the predictions and maybe it doesn't. Oh, I think. All right. Not to spoil it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to pick the Astros to win the series. But I think like a part of me is like, I feel, I feel like, like I feel dumb for picking them almost like, like there's just like, I shouldn't be ignoring what's happening. And the Astros are undefeated in the playoffs. Like it, it makes perfect logical sense to pick them. But sometimes like in sports, when things go down, like the most logical thing doesn't always happen. And it's, and I think part of me may, maybe it's just like seeing the way that uh, the way that people are feeling around here right now is just like it's talking me into this that like they can really pull it off just because um, it's been a pretty incredible run and the way people have responded to it has been like very cool to see. But part of me like does feel like like, why should I be surprised or, like, not expect them to to keep doing it? Yeah. It's – I almost feel like if it's, if it's like, if this is the team, like, if it's their fate to win, win the World Series, it wouldn't matter who they're playing. Like, it doesn't matter if they're playing the 106-win Astros or, like, the 86-win Rays if they had won it all. Like, they're just going to do it. I, I – that's if like if it is this team's fate to win win the world series not just make it but win the whole thing the astros are really good the astros are a really good team i i think i think i think the the phillies go down 2-0 on on the road i i don't think they win either of games one or one or two i think they win two of three at at home i think actually they lose the first three games they win the next two, send it back to Houston. I think they lose in six. But I also feel yeah. dumb. Like exactly yeah. as you were saying, <laughs> I also feel dumb. And, and I feel like <laughs> I feel like they're either gonna like lose in six or, or win in five. Like if if they're gonna win it, I think it's it's gonna be light work. Yeah. If they're gonna yeah, I I I agree. I think I I think that too. But I'm also gonna take the Astros and I'm going to take them in six too. I think they 
probably I think they probably go two and one at home also, the Phillies. But because I mean it's I it's it's interesting. Like the the Astros won 106 games, the Phillies won 87. But like the way that the Phillies are playing right now, they're overall in, in the playoffs, they're playing like a hundred win team. And the way they're playing at home, like they're playing like a hundred ten win team. Like yeah. that team at, at home, I'm not sure there's anybody that can go in there and win two out of three. Like if it's anybody, it would be, it would be the Astros because the other thing is like, it's, it's going to be a harsh environment for them. Like, you know, it's that crowd mixed with the fact that it's the Astros, like they're going to be on them from start to finish and it's going to be brutal, but like the Astros kind of thrive off of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In, in fairness to the Astros, like I think there is something to be said about, you know, like the the crowds at these Phillies games at Citizens Bank Park. The Astros get like everyone's worst anywhere they go. They've played yeah. in Yankee Stadium uh, because of the cheating scandal, because of some other stuff around the organization, the lack of apology from a lot of them uh, yeah. for the for all of it. I think uh, people don't like them and. This won't be an environment. Maybe it's a little bit amplified, but like it's not going to be anything they like haven't seen at Yankee Stadium before or anything like that. See, I don't know, because like I I almost feel like it is something that they haven't seen. Does that make sense? Like the, everybody I, I saw a tweet that was like Kyle Schwarber, who like played you know, six years with the Cubs and big poppy who played however many years with, with the Red Sox and a rod who played however many years with the Yankees. Like they're all saying that Philadelphia is the best playoff atmosphere that they'd ever seen. I think that, that, that means something, you know, like the fact that all those out of town guys are saying this, like, I, I, I do think it is something that they haven't seen. I just don't know if the Astros have like a maximum amount of, you know, hostility that they can that would yeah. like cause them to 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 break i just i don't know yeah no i think that's fair i think that's fair i don't want to make anyone mad because i think it's going to be uh an unreal environment in these games but if anyone is like equipped to handle it like i think it's the houston astros yeah i also think again i they've won every game one on the road in these this october but like I do think the Astros are going to win both the first two games and then they're going to build them up enough of a cushion where they probably are going to need, need to take just one on the road to, you know, remain the front runners. And I think they get it done again. I'll feel dumb when, you know, there's more people climbing traffic lights and shotgunning beers from atop them in <laughs> two weeks, but that's where I'm at. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. But I also think I, the other thing that the other thing that the Astros did super well against the Yankees was like, as soon as they would make a mistake, like, you know, judge and Harrison Bader would, you know, let a, let a fly ball drop. Cause they didn't talk. And then like, boom, next pitch, Chaz McCormick two two run Homer. And then like, there's a throwing error by Gliber Torres. And then boom, Jamie Pena three run Homer. The Astros do that. And for all, for as well as the Phillies have been playing in in these playoffs like the defense has been slightly better but only slightly and there was a lot of room to improve so if they if they give them outs which i kind of feel like is going to happen at some point not good 
Yeah, I'm with you. All right. We've been recording for a while now. Let's do our let's do our predictions or takes, not serious predictions, but just any anything out there we think is gonna gonna happen. I think we usually come up with these on the spot. Um I do not have one planned, so I'm gonna throw it to you first and come up with one and then we'll we'll get out of here. So I think Hector Neris is going to close one of the games in Houston, but I also think he's going to get lit up in Philadelphia. He's going to blow a save. Maybe it's going to be Harper. It's going to be somebody that's just going to, I feel like Hoskins, I feel like Hoskins could, could, you know, golf one of those, one of those split, split fastballs and just like make the place lose its collective mind. And Hector's going to be in the middle of a lot of games, at least two in this fall classic. All right. I have one. I have one. They're gonna steal. They're gonna steal one of these. One of the first two games in Houston, and Gene Segura is gonna hit one into the Crawford boxes. I like that. He's gonna homer. He's gonna homer and a win. One of the first two games in Houston. That's my prediction. I like that. Off cool. of Hector Nares. Eh, I'll, I'll keep it general. More, Do you think they're gonna cheer? Opportunity to be right. Do you think they're gonna cheer Hector Nares? No, he's gonna get booed. Really. Yeah, and in the intros, are you kidding? He got he got know. booed when he was on the team. Yeah, but the Astros are coming in for the World Series. He's on the Astros. Like, come on, and I, I think that's fine. Like you can still appreciate him and like still boo him. Yeah, I think if he gets booed, they booed. Jason, I think like, like a lot not of the it same. Be... It's it's not the same thing. But like Jason Worth got booed for years, and now. Years later, he's back and he's getting cheered as he throws out the first pitch. Like when he's on the opponent in the World Series, like they're gonna boo him. Maybe one day he'll come back for alumni weekend and people will cheer Hector Hector Neris and it'll be fine. I think that's fair. I have one more thought. Sure. Advice for the Citizens Bank Park crowd. I get that everybody hates the Astros, which, by the way, it's insane that like an overwhelming majority of sports fans want Philadelphia sports fans to enjoy these next couple of weeks like yeah, it's kind of fun. people are rooting for the phillies and their fans to be happy it's going to be easy to do the whole we hate the astros thing cheaters bring trash cans bang on trash cans i get it it's it's tempting avoid it boo them yell at them heckle them avoid the trash can stuff because if they see the bigger picture i think these fans know I hope these fans know that like they feed off of that and it it will be tempting to do the whole cheaters thing asterisks avoid it because the Astros feed off of that and you don't want to make this the whole redemption storyline about how oh the Astros are going to like prove to baseball that they don't need the <laughs> trash cans avoid it <laughs> avoid it what about what what's your 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 stance on like a, like an FL Tuve chant yeah fine all right. But don't but don't say why. Don't say why. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I I like that point. All right. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you everyone for listening. If you can believe it, the Phillies will be playing for the World Series game 1 coming up on Friday. Give you our preview here. Stay tuned. We'll have more on the series. Everyone enjoy it. Not not every year that this comes around. So Take it in. Have fun. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time.